coming to you from Star Studios in Denton, Texas. I'm Tom Collins Signs in Limerick, Ireland. This is Coffee with a Sign Painter, a podcast hosted by sign painter Sean Starr and Tom Collins. This groovy soundtrack was written and performed by Fergal Lawler of the Cranberries. Thanks, Fergal. Hey, Tom Collins. Hey, Mr. Sean. How's Ireland? Ireland is very green at the moment with the amount of rain we've been getting. Ah, uh, we have early spring How's... happening here, so. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Great. Very well, nice. it showed up, it showed up uh, I think, yesterday, spring. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday was the first full day of spring. Up, up to that, we actually had snow. We had snow over the weekend for St. Patrick's Day. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was it was. It, I felt so sorry for the American high school bands that came in for the parade. Oh. You know, <laughs> who f- just froze totally. They froze. Uh, I wasn't at the parade um, myself. I was working, but Mickey and, and Seth went in uh, and then r- ran out of it. It was so cold. You know. Nice. So, what what we're doing with this episode is in addition to having some talk about our businesses and sign painting and the state of this podcast. Um, It's also a tribute to Dolores, the singer from the Cranberries who passed away uh, this earlier this year, unfortunately. And um, so why don't you explain on your end, like, um, I thought it'd be kind of good to just talk about you know we both worked on that project um with the big cranberries ghost sign there in limerick and i just thought it'd be kind of neat to give some background on on why um why we both viewed them as as such a big creative influence even though we're sign painters and not musicians well i'll do my best um yeah, it, it, I had this, uh, I had this uh, idea that you know we 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 we'd have a podcast about about the music that you know because we bonded over music you and I really right yeah, from day right. one yeah for sure and uh, I think I think we talked about the Smiths or something on on, on Instagram or I can't remember but um, and so really the the, the music and the, the podcast has always had this kind of music dimension to it you know where you ask people what you know what they're listening to and and uh, I, I always loved that about the podcast uh, before you you invited me to kind of co-host it with you and um, the, the you know so so kind of like earlier in the year just at the beginning of the year I suppose I I had thought that you know it would be it would be really cool to do uh, a podcast about you know the music that's in in my hometown and you know what's going on on your de- doorstep and we you know we maybe we could we could have a podcast around that and uh, uh, no sooner did I start that than we yeah absolutely uh, there was that the tragic uh, news that Dolores O'Rear had passed away and that seemed to kind of really obviously have a huge effect uh, not not just here in Limerick. Uh, but also around the country, around the rest of the, wor- the world, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it, you could see it and hear it and feel it, and it was, it was, it was something that that really did have a, 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 a you know a wider effect, um, a, a, you know, in the in the wider world, and you know the people I had been speaking 
two that's what they were, that was what was on their mind you know and uh, the, the you know, so i had i had been talking to various bands and musicians and there's always overlaps with with all like in every town you're going to have probably a dozen musicians who are all in each other's bands you know what i mean it's, it right. just moves around a lot like that yeah and and limerick, limerick is no different and 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 certainly in the case of the, the cranberries they had been they had been really hugely helpful to a lot of other bands um you know and 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 helping out with kind of you know advice and and loaning equipment and and mentoring and even producing you know uh these artists and and so there, there's you know this was really started this this started to really inform what the podcast you know i think uh started to become you know and and i checked with 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 my wife and 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 i checked with you to, you know you know would this be okay if we if we if we shared this with 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 um you know, with the listeners, and it just felt that it was a, a very, uh, you know, it was a very real thing that was that was that had affected a lot of people. And also, when we had, uh, you know, started working on 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 the project from a couple of years ago, the Love Letters from Limerick project, um, you know, they were just unbelievably supportive and, uh, you know, uh, open to what we were doing. And you know, certainly Dolores was was aware of it. She wasn't in the country. Uh, for, for you know, on, on, on the occasion that you were here, and when the guys came in to be interviewed, yeah. But you know, uh, it, it, it like she, she was someone. I suppose I had I I hadn't spoken to for many many years. They used to come into the bar uh, um, at home where I where I worked, my parents' bar, and um, you know, I, I they were just you know the, 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 they were people you could you could easily. You know, chat away to, and and you could see them. You could see things taken off for them, and you could see how they how just blown away they were by it all. And they still seem to kind of keep some degree of, of realness about them. And, and and so I think that's a very attractive, appealing thing for an, anybody. You know, uh, and I, I guess maybe other like you and I were, were were working in a whole other different creative pursuit. But you can't help but kind of admire people that. You know, have a, a, maybe a strong personality who have a, a real, you know, a determined sort of, uh, you know, um, inner uh, sort of compass. Because I think we, we, to some extent, have had to kind of, you know, push through a lot of, you know, um, a lot of adversity and a lot of, uh, of obstacles. And I know they did too. You know, th yeah. there was no easy break for them and you know so and I, I know those other bands we, we often talked about you know from Manchester and places which were kind of towns not unlike Limerick you know um, that, that, that had a lot of unemployment and a lot of a lot of a lot of challenges and there was a, there was definitely those similarities and so we, we I think felt maybe um, that we when we when we approached them to do this this, this project from a few years back, they totally got it instantly, and you know it was it was no it wasn't a hard sell. It was just, it was great, you know. Yeah, so, um, that's it. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it, it's really interesting to me from talking to other sign painters that are, you know, kind of in our age group of what a huge impact, um, you know, growing up with punk, new wave, 
uh, you know, that later turned into 90s alternative and all that kind of music. Like, what a huge impact that had creatively, um, you know, for people like us that uh, stubbornly, you know, went into jobs like this where, you know, it was like, if, if we're going to be stuck having to work in the real world, <laughs> like, we want to be creative and we want to, you know, create art on some level um, to support ourselves. And, you know, I, I think the, um, the, the music that you and I have talked about for a couple of years now that, you know, really influenced us, you know, with uh, obviously Morrissey and the Smiths and uh, bands like the Cranberries, um, you know, Joy Division, New Order, all of these bands, it, it was something that surpassed the music and the musical style. It was the kind of the the sentiment behind creating something that a lot of these bands were creating something that no one had done before and it wasn't commercial and it wasn't going to make them rich and it was you know it was pure in that sense um, absolutely yeah you know, absolutely yeah. now you've got people you know with auto-tune and everything else creating trying to create the next big youtube video that'll have 10 million views or whatever but you know that was a a, a, a more pure era of art in a lot of ways because people were just doing what they love to do without the focus of are we going to sell 50 million records you know yeah well look I mean, there was a sort of a, a gentleness there like, you know I, I love a lot of the punk rock kind of uh, uh, kind of attitude but the, the, you know what, what, I, what I preferred about the about you know post-punk rock bands was you know you, got, you had some of the attitude, which was kind of you know uh, uh, you know you're not, you're not going to settle for for um, for being a phony you know uh, yeah. but there was a, there was a lot they, they, they didn't shy away from I suppose having their hearts on their sleeves and you know uh, the songs are quite emotional or they you know, especially like you know when 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 you know you're not you're not teenager who's you know uh, whatever you know you're going through all those things that you go through as a teenager and you're trying to find something to keep, keep you know to kind of that speaks to you well th those kind of bands spoke to me and you know and a lot of mi millions of other people are, uh, you know and I, I like again when, when when this when this you know terrible thing happened uh you know i kind of i i kind of had a couple of days where i just kind of thought, you know I, I i was surprised by by how sort of upset everybody was and how how upset I was and you know it was like it was uh, it really did feel you know, like I, the nearest thing I can compare it to was I was I was living in Cork in the early 90s when when Kurt Cobain uh, also died you know and it was kind of you know different circumstances entirely or whatever but it, you know I, I, I love Nirvana uh, I, I, I you know you could hear there's a lot of anger in the in some of those songs but there was also an awful lot of tenderness and a lot of heartfelt right. yeah sincerity you know and uh, and I really I really it, it kind of broke my heart because I you know you could see that there was so much more uh, you know that we uh, you know that we'll, we'll we'll all be the worse off not hearing you know yeah for sure yeah, and that that's uh, you know with the cranberry specifically, um, you know lyrically there there was a uh, 
a tenderness, like you said, um, you know, like Ode to My Family, you know, those kind of songs that just still give me goosebumps, um, you know, and, and that, that I think is the loss, is the, uh, the connection that, uh, yeah. that bands like that w were able to make with millions of people is, is just being able to uh, connect in that way. It's a, hu it's a huge loss. A, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, they weren't afraid to tackle, you know, political themes and, you know, complicated kind of issues as well. I mean, you know, I, I, I love that free to decide track that, yeah. you know, we talked about in the past. And, and, and uh, I think you discussed it with, with, with the guys when you spoke to them. You know, um, and just what it meant to you, and uh, you know, it, 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 it. So look, I, I guess to kind of try to explain where we're coming from, it, it, it was that we kind of started uh, this thing where I, I, one particular band called Windings, who are, who are, you know, a, a terrific bunch of guys, really, really good band. Um, they have the most fantastic album cover and title since. You know that 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 first album uh, from the Cranberries. Um, uh, it's 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 a it's a you know those, those mosaic thresholds that you you see in those old storefronts. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, they, 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 there's there's uh, there's a place called Ennis Diamond in County Clare, and it's a kind of it's a it's a it's a beautiful old. Uh, sort of uh, uh, town that's that's listed and protected by the planners. So you know it, it, it's fantastic because you can walk down the street and it really does. It's authentic. It is the real deal, you know. Uh -huh. uh, and a, a lot of, a lot of those 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 beautiful features haven't been pulled out of those those old shop fronts. And even when new businesses go in, they're told you can't dig up the. the the, the you know the, the mosaic or terrazzo marble or whatever it might be that's that that's that's making these things just priceless. Uh, anyway, these guys photographed one of these thresholds, and th what the threshold said was, um, "Be honest and fear not," hmm. and that's the title of their their album. Very and so cool. I really liked them, and I liked the album. Yeah, and I knew the guys uh, through they, they one of them in particular, Patrick O'Brien had been kind enough to at very short notice turn his car around and come back in the opposite direction and save our bacon when we were having our, our opening mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know that night and it was like a, a completely forgot to organize uh, you know someone to uh, kind of have some you know provide some music there and, and not only did he show up but he brought um, Kat Turner with him who's just an amazing um, Singer and and uh, absolutely fantastic uh, vocalist and uh, you know so they were great and uh, and so you know th there was there was there was Steve and there was Patrick and there was others so I, I had them in my sights and uh, you know uh, there was another chap as well called Niall Quinn who is in a band called The Hitchers and he does his own kind of solo work and he actually was in the Cranberries. Hmm. Uh, when they were called the Cranberries saw us, uh, possibly the worst name ever for a band. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, you know, uh, but they, they like, and he, he, you know, I spoke to him since he gave us this 
terrific story uh, uh, actually a few stories um, once he got talking it just started to flow for him and he and he and he and he, and he, and he sent us some, some some really terrific memories of those early days and actually you know facilitating the guys when he left the band by trying to find a replacement and, he, and you know he kind of <laughs> I think it was his sister knew Dolores in, in school and you know it was just this really sweet story you know and, and, and just busking with them and just great camaraderie uh, from 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 them and others, and we that's what I, I hope people will get out of this podcast is they'll maybe listen to that and I don't know maybe they'll they'll they'll, they'll feel I don't know uh, I don't know what they'll feel but I, I, I it was great it was great recording some of those um, sound bites yeah, and, let, and let me explain and, that too for for people listening is um, one of the things that that we did is um, gathered. Um, some some short interviews with a variety of people um, to talk about the the influence that Dolores had. Um, so uh, coming up in this episode, um, uh, like I, I was able to talk to Sarah Jaffe um, and got a really nice interview with her. And so here I am with. Uh Kirtland record recording artist Sarah Jaffe, and uh, she's going to talk a little bit about Dolores. I just yeah. wanted to get your feedback on uh, <clears throat> what impact she had and, and how that's maybe influenced your music or just influenced your approach to being creative. Sure. Um, I think it was... Was it 1996, 97 that No Need to Argue came out? Mm, like, do you remember question. the year? I think it was 90s. It was around. It was mid 90s for sure. Okay. Um, but my sister had it on tape, mm -hmm. and I remember the first time that I heard the title track No Need to Argue, and then there was a song. I had to look it up the other day because I could remember the melody, but I couldn't remember it was called. It was um. Was it Daffodils Lament? The I'll be dreaming my dreams with you. That mm -hmm. one? Yeah. That whole record, you know, is like a... I don't even think I was in junior high yet when that record came out. But I... My parents had just gotten me a guitar. And so I was listening to predominantly female um, songwriters. And that record in particular, No Need to Argue, just kind of set it off for me. There was a few records. There was a... Patty Griffin, Flaming Red, there was a Sheryl Crow, Tuesday Night Music Club, and then there was the Cranberries, No Need to Argue, which I just, you know, I just rotated those tapes, those CDs all day. I would get home from school and I would put those those artists on. Um, and I remember, I have vivid memories of being in my bedroom in Red Oak, Texas and listening to the Cranberries, of uh, that whole record just on repeat. You know, I think as a, as a songwriter, but specifically as a female that's in the industry, you know, every every girl, every woman has memories of of the women that just kind of inspired them to, to keep going. And, you know, I think for me, like the earliest forms of like admiration were, were kind of trying to, to emulate, to be like those people. Like I would always just kind of tr try to have my voice sound like them and, just because I admired them, I would, you know, it was an early form of admiration for me. So she was definitely one of them that, that just kind of pr 
propelled me into to knowing for sure what I wanted to do from a very early age. Just very inspiring to listen to her. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I always kind of viewed her as a woman that exuded strength. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's weird, too, when you're, <clears throat> you know, when that record came out of, you know, obviously I'm, <laughs> I'm a child, but looking, looking back at it now and, and kind of having my head around, well, not really having my head around what it is to, to be a mus- musician in the industry, like, you have these ideas and these, uh, for lack of a better word, these fantasies of, of what it will be like, you know, like, <laughs> and it's just, you know, like, just like anything else, like, it's never what you think it's going to be. And so just the earliest forms of admiration and, and also not knowing, uh, you know, naturally what my life would look like. I like looking back at those memories and just seeing like the pure enjoyment of just having music like really touch you in this unadulterated way is really fantastic. And I'm really grateful that she lived a life and made music and that it was able to reach you know, a pre-adolescent teen in my bedroom in Red Oak, Texas. It's pretty fucking cool, if you ask me. I just miss those tangible things for me. Like, I remember the cover and just looking at it for a long time. They were all in front of the... She was on the couch or something like that. There's a couch. Uh-huh. Classic 90s poses. But yeah. um, just a phenomenal record from start to finish. Yeah, I... I did, I did a episode with Clark from the Toadies, and mm-hmm. um, we talked extensively about what a sad thing it is that, um, and episode with the Cranberries as well, where we talked about like that era of having art alongside the music that you could explore through the cliff, you know, the the liner notes and. Um, yeah. You know, even before when it was vinyl, when I was a kid, you know, it you got immersed in digging into like yes. all the visuals as well as the audio. And that's really gone. And that's sad to me is, you know, Ugh, now you so get sad. this little <laughs> thumbnail photo of the album cover and that's it. You know, and so you don't you, you kind of lose, I think, some of the personal connection you have with a recording artist now because you you're not able to see that expression mm-hmm. of their of their art visually as well as audio yeah there's a total disconnect you're absolutely right i mean usually people just look up on they're like what are they saying and then you know you know one type of way to g- g- genius lyrics and there's just yeah <laughs> there's no connect the yeah. tangible art and so I'm, the artist i'm curious how do you um how do you attempt to bridge that gap as a recording artist? I mean, obviously, that's still something that connects in your memory from exploring music, digging through the CD notes and all that. How, how do you try to bridge the gap, or, or is there really no way? Oh, I totally ignore the fact that we live in a day and age where people, most people just buy singles on iTunes, and I, I'm fortunate enough to work with a label that, like, supports this idea where I just I just make music like it's you know like as far as like the the actual art the physical art like I approach it like it's 1998 and people are like yeah like they want the vinyl they want the poster inside the vinyl like they want all this thing like the art aspect is 
so important to me. Like I, I just ignore that gap. I ignore it because for me, like I, I, I just can't, I'll lose, I'll lose my mind a little bit if I am like, well, let's just make a download card and call yeah. it a day, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I think that's like social media culture in a nutshell is everything has become so instantaneous that there's, there's not as much thought and heart put into things. It's just people pushing content constantly. Constantly. It's just a constant pushing of like, do we have enough content? Like, let's get some more stuff out there. And of course, like, we're all kind of a part of that disgusting wave. But at the same time, like, I look at like the, the, the you know, the kids like that are in their early 20s and like even my nieces and nephews, like, kids are doing like really cool shit, like, um, just very innovative and you kind of have to ride that wave if you're doing anything in the arts industry. You, yeah. You don't have to, but I, I unfortunately do. I enjoy it sometimes, but I'm also like, I understand what it feels like to be my parents at times. I feel like, what, what the hell are these kids doing? Like, uh -huh. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, you I'm understand that quite a few years quickly. ahead of you, so I, I feel it, believe me. <laughs> yes. You see how it happens. Like, you know, you say things like when you're, 12 years old like i'm never gonna be like that and then you yeah. say things like the what are these kids doing yeah 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 I, i've i've um always had a love hate more hate relationship with uh social media and i've, I've kind of reached my final saturation point fortunately mm. my my wife has graciously agreed to take over our business social media stuff but i'm just so, so you don't have to i just yeah, want to i just want to focus on the work i'm making that's all i want to do and i don't want to that's have, all you should do yeah. and i don't want to be thinking about well am i getting a good shot or a little video clip of this and you know so i'm, I'm walking away from it finally after years of complaining like an old fart yeah i so. feel you <laughs> i feel you well, again, thank you for uh, coming on and talking for a few minutes and sharing your story about uh, Dolores' impact, and uh, that's really cool. I appreciate it. Um, it was a pleasure to talk about it. It's very unfortunate news, and uh, yeah, I'm just grateful that she did make music while she, was, while she was here for a little bit. Yeah, lots of good music. Um, you just mentioned a couple, and I, I think one of the most exciting um, to me is um, that you were able to talk to Van Morrison's guitarist. Um, oh yeah, D Dave, Dave Keery. Yeah, that's right. Jeez, yeah, I forgot about that actually. Dave, Dave, um, Dave is an old friend actually. He he uh, used to come into the bar, and his wife Geraldine and uh, would be friendly with my sister and my brother-in-law, uh, but they, 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 Dave has been in bands, lots of really cool bands um, back in the 80s that, uh, you know, and, and actually uh, I, I, when I kind of approached him, he was on on the road with Van, and I think they're, they've recorded their seventh album together. Hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah, and um, I mean, you know, he's worked with he's worked with loads of the greats over the years and the Hollows Flowers and Engelbert Humperdinck, if you can believe it. <laughs> uh, well, and uh, as, as well. you know, I'm like a Van Morrison like groupie. Like I've I've I don't know how many enormous amounts of hours I've spent in the studio just 
listening to one Van Morrison record after another. So that was really exciting when you mentioned that you were able to sure. get some time with him. Well, D Dave is such a sweet guy as well. And his son, Alan, um, is another, you know, sort of guy to watch who uh, is in Manchester at the moment um, studying and studying music and uh, he's he's a, he's a string arranger and they've worked uh, with another artist uh, uh, producing um, uh, you know the strings and the and the, and, the, and putting together the whole background uh, in, instrumentation and orchestration for uh, f uh, for this artist and uh, again a lot, a, lot, a lot of the Dave. Okay, I'm Dave Keery is my name and um, I live in Limerick which is one of the reasons why we're here and I'm a local musician and have become more involved in production and some composing and arranging in the last 18, 19 years more so but primarily um, I've always been a working musician pretty much all my life and um, very happy to all have been based in Limerick um, and worked with some great people that have been an inspiration and certainly have informed me to become who I am and enabled me to, to perform on a kind of more larger worldwide stage with some other artists. So I'm always very aware and cognizant of who I am and where I am and where I came from and the the great fruit of creativity, music creativity that Limerick has always had and still does have, which is really encouraging to see. And it's all relevant, you know, I mean, like someone so said to me, a local musician said to me a few years ago, you know, it's great that you got the, the Van Morrison gig and it's a pity you didn't get it in your early 40s or late 30s. And I said, well, I mightn't have been the player that he wanted at that stage in my life or, you know, at that, that juncture. Sure. So everything happens for a reason and, you know, you just accept it and make the most of it Absolutely. when it does happen you know if, if, you it, um, I'm just coming up nearly seven years I suppose six and a half seven and years you're, and you're, you're working on your third or fourth album now together well I think I've done five with Van okay. and I think there might be another one coming out this year right. so I believe we don't know we never know until the public knows <laughs> it's great yeah and I just never thought my wildest dreams that that you know even to do one one show let alone one album with with the uh, with Van or ever materialised my life, you know. Incredible. Yeah, so it's 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 been great. Yeah, it's been really really fulfilling. Well, I have to ask you as well about um, you, you you know. My parents always had this thing; they couldn't understand why so many musicians came into the bar, right? <laughs> and I was never there, just in case Jerlyn's listening. <laughs> God, 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 God bless your mother she covered my ass a lot of the times <laughs> well I went through uh, over the weekend we went through because we were snowed in and uh, 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 I went up to the attic and I found this huge box of photographs yeah. uh, and I said look this is it now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort out this and and uh, actually there was there was about four boxes of photographs and I found loads of pictures of the bar and you know remember Alan uh, Cheevers uh, yes absolutely uh, yeah, yeah. and loads loads of different people like kind of you know and um, in the bar and and, and just you know recognise so many but it was just such a fantastic I mean as you well know of course having having grown up in it and you know your parents were such great great characters and great people and great 
uh, it's just a fan, it's a fantastic place. It was the only place I think that everyone you know musicians and the likes Why, and artists. Dave? I mean, like there was no TV on, right? There was no Jeez, loud music. Isn't that great? Yeah, if that the really, reason, though, I swear that to God, you into, the yeah. fact that you could have a conversation or you could. But I think, you know, yeah, I think probably that time there wasn't that much. I mean, some bars, I suppose, did have the TV thing. You know, I mean, I think flat flat screens have been the bane because you can plant them anywhere, nearly like a bloody <laughs> like a picture. Yeah. Um, but but it's because it's just the atmosphere. I mean the the bar itself was beautiful, and you know, still is thanks be to God. But uh, but it's the people that that are there. You know, I mean, you had such you know, you, I mean, your mother Tess and, and Tom Senior, and then some of the some of the bar staff were, yeah. were, were quite le- legendaries in their own their lifetimes as well. And then it's just the characters that are always attracted. I suppose, like I mean, before I before my scene, I think we'll say I think the White House Gleasons would have been. Would have attracted more the artists, the visual and sure. um, yeah, the theatre crowd, and well. the theatre crowd. You know, so it had more of that kind of nearly the thespian kind of brigade. And then for some reason, it, just everyone was, you know, just over time that people gravitated towards yeah. Collins. And it was such a, there was just such great crack and mm. great camaraderie there. And everyone was on the same page. Everyone was was gigging and writing. And there was a whole kind of a crossover thing and an energy going on the whole time. That was lovely, and I remember they, they, like they, they, they didn't have a problem with it. They were delighted because they were you were all very nice to yeah. each other. And yeah, there was never any messing there. No, you know, apart you from the when you give a tone when you were apart talking. from the odd time when you're looking looking at your mother barring people, even though they get back in the following week or the the curse the curse chair. Yeah, or the curse chair. Oh, oh, oh it was a very funny Jesus. God, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I, I like I used to love it uh, because. <coughs> Like I remember, Eamon Heher was a teacher of ours in the CBS. Yeah, for yeah. A couple of years, he came in to cover um, uh, one of our teachers who was in well, and and, uh, and he was in a band called uh, Took and Dance. That's right. And uh, which were originally average contents. Which were originally average, average yeah, contents yeah, with yeah. Jack. Um, was Jack Mal- Jack Maloney? Was he in? in uh, I think you're right. Yeah, Jack he could have been. Pat. And Christy Looney, there was a, 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 a yeah. Whatever the early the what, Sean was definitely there, and I think Desi Dwyer was in Average Contents as well. Oh, Desi, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it was Desi O'Grady on drums. Yes. Um, but they, it was kind of pretty much the same lineup, but they, they just changed the the name. Okay. Um, they went to some other players, and I just I'm not re- I do recalling. I remember there was there was, a, there was a period where they had added a guy on sax saxophone. Saxophone. Uh, Peter Fielding. Peter Fielding, that's right. Peter yeah, Fielding. yeah. And I think Christy was on drums for a while, but anyway, uh, <coughs> the um, so I, I love I used to love talking to you all about kind of bands and music and that stuff and 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 when uh, you know when when uh, Dolores was coming into the bar, mm. um, you know they were very shy and, and Noel and yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember asking Noel for his ID one night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they seemed really nice. And actually, it turns yeah. out he was next door neighbours of my brother-in-law. All right. Uh, chorus husband Mike. Okay. And, uh, and they were telling me all this. Uh, Mike was our scout leader in scouts. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, th- we had great uh, when they started, you know, getting on the road and doing well, and, and they were coming home. It was great because they were able to share that with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And they toured with, with some of my favourite bands, and they'd be asking me, you know, mm. what was like working with Dead Dead? Did you meet Johnny yeah. Marr? And you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. You got these great stories. Yeah, uh, back abs- and forth, absolutely. Know? Yeah, because they became. Kind of they're the semi ambassadors, sure. you know. So yeah, you're bringing all that stuff back. Well, look, they're, can I ask they were you, great. Do you have a, uh, anything you'd like to say as a as a parting kind of uh, memory, uh, you know, uh, about about the guys and over the years? Um, well, I I know the all the lads very well, and um, 
I've done various things in the studio with the, with Noel over the years. And in the even in the early mono band projects, he he just used my place for tracking drums sometimes and um, for to stuff as well. So I know the guys from from the start, and um, but we've gotten to know them a lot more in the last probably dozen or so years, more more so. Um, but I would have known first met Dolores when she was um, in sixth year in school and uh, in the she was, she was in Laurel Hill. And I they moved back. I think I moved back down from Dublin. I don't know. I was still here in Limerick before I moved. Anyway, but her music teacher is a, a lady called Orla Colgan, who I know we know very well, and she's a very good friend of my sister's. So it was, it was at that stage in their their year that all the other girls were um, not going to work experience, but they were getting interview mock interviews. Will say someone wants to do nursing, or someone wants to go to college, or some whatever. And the 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 school were kind of at a loss, or her, you know, what we, Dolores just wants to be a singer songwriter. So I got a call from Orla, but I come up and talk to Dolores and kind of give her sort of not quite a mock, mock interview, but see what she was at. So I went up to the music room, and it was just me and Dolores, and she was just there with her little Yamaha keyboard, and very shy, but and just I was chatting chatting away to her about music, and you know, just giving her whatever bit of advice I could as in terms of maybe seeking out other musicians and she started singing some songs and but you know as soon as she started singing and playing it was the her utter conviction and complete you could just see you could see that determination and focus which is the most important thing you know once you see someone an artist like that when they have that focus and absolute drive you know that there's something special there and I'm not I'm not just saying that sort of um with any, with any reference to her passing away, but it's it's just a genuine thing. You 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 either see it or you don't, and the 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 person either has it or they don't. And, and Dolores certainly had it, which obviously bore bore itself out. That was Tom Keary, uh, guitarist for Van Morrison's band, uh, as well as a very accomplished uh, musician on many other fronts. Uh, talking with uh, Tom, and uh, now we'll go back to. Uh, Tom and I talking. The 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 fine detail. Um, I'll 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 be kind of I'll be filling in, you know, with with some of these um, some of these posts that we put out and some links maybe to some of those artists as well. Through you know that people if they're interested can find them on SoundCloud or whatever. But we have we have we have tracks that people have sent us as a kind of goodwill. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to participate and you know we got one from Dave that he's worked worked on with his son uh, um, uh, and and uh, and you know we've uh, Noel Hogan from the from the Cranberries and mono band uh, has given us permission to to to, uh, to play some of some of his music and I think we, we thought we, we were we were talking about that earlier we, we were zeroing in on one track in particular uh, that we both we both really really liked. Uh, as well as as other artists like Emma Langford, who is a singer songwriter, um, and she's terrific, and she, she you know she's she's someone who has a really uh, personal connection as well with 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 the Cranberries and and her sound, and as uh, as well as you know many many others. You know, it, the, uh, it, there's quite a few people to get in and squeeze in, and I suppose. Um, 
you just you know if if anyone does find it very long they can take a break and maybe come back to it if they have a very long haul flight maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this could be the podcast for them you know <laughs> yeah so um so throughout the episode we'll be going to interview clips with some of these people as well as um some audio clips of of actual music i i, I believe um fergal lawler the drummer of the cranberries has also contributed some more music he also gave us the the music for our intro to the podcast um that's right that's right yeah we had a couple of extra tracks that we that he gave us for the short short film that Picant made on that project and uh he he, he was very kind to to, to, to you know to, to let us use those as well and also we've got some artists and bands who are you know some of them are are, are just out of their bedrooms you know what i mean yeah, they right. haven't you know they haven't really been kind of um uh getting the 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 uh the the, the private stretch limos uh <laughs> quite as of yet but there's 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 a guy the realized guy called adam reeves who um has has he's involved in a few bands and and uh he he has he has made a contribution sent us some music uh there's another uh, bunch of guys called a weekend away and uh they look like they they you know they're they're, they're going to be making uh a name for themselves and you know, uh, listening back to some of the stuff that I was sent, uh, I was just, I was, I was really, I, I was really proud to be honest with you. That, I mean, I think Limerick punches above its weight in in a lot of areas, and music, uh, rock music. We've always had a very strong rock music scene here, uh, from the '60s, uh, you know, uh, up up to right now. And it's 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 you, you don't hear or see that as much. I mean, obviously, you two, they're you know. Enormous, and and you know a lot of really good bands have come out of other other Irish cities, um, but there seems to be like a, a, a really um, good kind of rock music scene that's been been around Limerick for a long, long time. And I was so so happy to to actually speak to a, a local legend called uh, John O'Shea, who who um, drove all these bands over the years. Uh, you know, he, he he got their gear to the gig on okay. time. You know, he got them home to, into their beds at a reasonable hour. And he has some absolutely terrific stories that I, you couldn't record or or play on the air. But, <laughs> right. but I got a couple that that we that that we we might we might be able to share with with, with people. And you know, I think it's just really. Uh, for me, anyway, you know where where my studio is in the city centre. Um, there's there's a little bit of activity at the moment with with a, a um, an organisation called Music Generation mm-hmm. that are just ar- around the corner from where the studio is, and uh, we, we they were very um, interested in in actually uh, you know um, housing that large ghost sign we we were trying to find a home for uh, last year and unfortunately the, the, the sign was just so big we couldn't we couldn't the the, the, the area that they had uh, available was was uh, just wasn't big enough and we you know we ran into other issues with with, with access and planning and uh, you know but they were they, they were they were particularly um, up for it and I know the, these guys as well ha, uh, you know facilitate a lot of really good 
uh, uh, tutorials and access to equipment for for people starting out, so, singer songwriters, people not sure what what they want to do, but they want to they want to do something with music, and they 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 have a, a terrific reputation around the country because, in fairness to you two, you uh, two have 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 funded part funded I should say um, a, a lot of a lot of music generations um, efforts along with uh, uh, I think um, other partners and you know, people can look that stuff up and they can read more about it but that, 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 that that's kind of happening around where my studio is so when I'm out working or if I'm out getting a coffee I'll bump into all those guys and they're great and you can talk to them because I'm into music so I'm going to talk to them about you know the new Radiohead album or whatever you know and yeah so obviously uh, we were also talking about um, Dolores and, and both you and I got kind of busy in the middle of it and so it kind of it went on the back um, boiler for a little bit, but I can tell you that you know um, the guy. It's, it ha- you know the guys are working away. They were working away on on releasing a new album this year, and um, you know uh, the cranberries. There's, there's the cranberries, yeah. yeah. And and Dolores has has actually she's she she had all her 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 lyrics down. You know what I mean? And wow. or all or all her vocals, I should say, down. And, and locked in and the guys you know they're, they're, they're like they're, over the next coming months will be working on finishing that um, nice and so awesome. there's lots of yeah there's lots of cool stuff that's that's you know coming down the line and um, and I think you know it's terrific that there's there, there's still more material there that, that maybe will touch people and get people to kind of you know uh, change direction for, in, for for the better and 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 maybe follow their hearts uh, instead of following their their heads into some miserable <laughs> marriage job relationship whatever you know what right, I mean music yeah. has that power you know yeah it does uh, I really believe it does yeah yeah so um, let let's talk about like sign painting a bit. Um, I, th- I think you and I share something in common, which is every single winter just turns to crap for me. Like that, that's the period of time where like I just, I kind of go into a funk and uh, kind of lose some motivation and all that kind of thing. Um, what, what are you looking forward to this year now that we're getting out of the funk? Um, well, I'm kind of I'm in the funk myself if I'm honest, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, tomorrow's my birthday, and happy you birthday. Know, no, none of us are getting any younger when these when these things come around, you know. No doubt. And I'm, I I don't know. Yeah, I've just it's been I've had a funny kind of yeah I've had a funny kind of few months where it's been it's been just hard to kind of get going uh, with a, a few things and there's been a lot of stopping and starting and uh i don't know if it's me or if it's if it's them i think it's them but it's probably me <laughs> uh but you know I've, I've just i've been struggling a lot and the studio's a mess you know there's loads of stuff that i kind of need to just kind of look at and uh, you know I kind of feel like I'd like I I don't know I'd like something I'd like a new direction yeah in some way you know I'd like I I don't know I'd, um 
I kind of I feel that I, you know Dave actually when I spoke to him he mentioned something that I thought was really good he said you know you have to keep challenging yourself as a, as a creative person and pushing yourself into, into kind of scary territory and you know he actually used the, the term of like you know we can all find ourselves wearing that comfy jumper which is actually a, a, an Irish uh, term for a sweater okay? okay so we can all find ourselves wearing that, that comfortable sweater or that comfy jumper and you know you don't want to take it off because you know it's comfy and uh, but actually you need you need to get you need to get, you need to push through and I, I, I feel I'm somewhere there now where I kind of need to let go certain kind of clients and certain types of work that you know is kind of i find it kind of just not not not, not that much fun anymore to, to yeah. do yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of in the same boat of um I, I think this this winter for me was like a really huge time to reassess a lot of things and um you know i i'm looking at uh like the things that drove my passion to stay in this trade for so long, I've kind of slowly, unintentionally drifted away from. And I think part of it is, you know, there, there's been so much attention on sign painting, and that's been so awesome and opened up so many opportunities, including coming out to Ireland and working with you and all that. Um, that's all been great. But I think in the process, um, kind of took my eye off the ball a little bit of like what it is that I love about doing this work and um, have been uh, pushing to get back on, on track and find that balance again. And um, You've helped so many people by what you've done. And long before you ever asked me to kind of fill up some of this airtime with you I, I, I was listening to your podcast uh, where you were talking about you know the, 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 the guts of, 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 of you know keeping a, a, the show on the road and it was very real and I loved it and, it and it gave me huge energy and that's out there, that's not going away you know what I mean? So so fair play to you well done and thank you Well I, I appreciate that I, I don't know how accurate that is, but I appreciate that. I, I'm, uh, I, I'm really glad that the podcast came about and it ended up becoming insanely successful for such a oddball subject. And I was really thrilled when you jumped on board and we did those episodes. Um, but yeah, it's just time to time to switch focus for me. And you know, and, and like you and I have discussed you know just trying to align the schedules with a six hour time difference as well as all of the other things that uh come up in a weekly basis it's just it's been a big big challenge that um i think has kind of taken away from both of our core businesses enough that it's something that we've had to slow down you know yeah well, look, I, you, you, sometimes you have to do these things and, you know, just you have to kind of, you know, find out for yourself, don't you, that you need to you need to make some some other uh, changes here and there. And I'm, look, it's like everything, you, you know, none of us are, uh, none of us have crystal balls and we can't always um, predict the future. But I think, you know, I, I, for what it's worth, I, 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 I you know, I'm very... Um, I'm very happy to 
call you my friend and that you're in my life and that hasn't that's not going to change and you know we won't be recording these uh future skypes you know what i mean and we haven't we uh, recorded all of them we've we've had a million conversations that no one's ever heard and and that's not going to change I, as far I, as i'm concerned that's more therapy than anything like you know <laughs> I, I i think we've both served as the other person's psychiatrist more than once so <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that can't go away, or I think we'll both end up in dire straits. But um, well, come here. I, I have to ask you about about you know if, if it's okay. Can I ask you, Sean Star, what you what you've been listening to recently? Okay. Wow. Okay. That's. I I I think I'm going to have to cheat and pull up my iTunes to give you a accurate. Um, okay. So for one is is mono band. Um, you turned me on to that. That's Noel Hogan's solo uh, stuff, which I actually really, really enjoyed. Um, and I've been binging uh, in this last week on Grateful Dead, which has always been pretty regular rotation. Um, what would you? Where would you tell me? To, how? Where, where would I start with the Grateful Dead? I've, I've never. Look, Listen to them. Okay, the the album American Beauty is is the best place to start. The, every track on that album, primo. Okay, um, I think you'd enjoy that. Um, so, in addition, I've been delving back into Led Zeppelin and some of Robert Plant's solo stuff lately because I like that. Um, and some jazz just an oddball mix i've got a huge jazz collection in my itunes and so there's there's that and i guess that's probably been it for the last month month and a half hey. been been kind of just in that groove um, have you been listening to any vinyl or has it all been itunes and um, my my record player is at the house, and uh, I don't think I could keep it down here. You know, it's kind of a shop warehouse type setup with our studio now, so I, I don't think I'd want it down here with getting all gritty stuff in it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and James McMurtry. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No, I'll make a note of that. James McMurtry. He's a Texas songwriter, awesome lyrics. Um, his dad is, I, I, this last weekend, I took a motorcycle ride out to this tiny little, when I say tiny town, I mean like literally one restaurant. Um, it, it's called Archer City. And his dad, Larry McMurtry, Pulitzer Prize winner who wrote Lonesome Dove. He wrote the the, the oh, book yeah. Terms of Endearment. That um, right. Um, uh, the Last Picture Show. Uh, yes. Which was all filmed in that small town. But when, when, back in like 1970, I think it was, he opened a bookstore in Washington D.C. because he's like a book fanatic, and um, eventually moved it out to this tiny town where he grew up, Archer City. So it's just one old building after another that's just stuffed full of awesome books. But his son James, really great songwriter, um, big fan of his. Um, 
Yeah, I guess that's kind of it. And, and, and I jump in, in between all of that, I jump in with Van Morrison, Louis Armstrong. There's just some go-tos. Uh, Mike Scott and the Waterboys, which is from your neck of the woods. Is he Irish yeah. or Scottish? Uh, he is, uh, I think, uh, is he Scottish? Okay. Well, I know he's lived in Ireland for years, and he's he's like one of those guys, like Daniel Day Lewis. People can't figure out if he's if he's, <laughs> you know, where where because they, they've lived here so long, and if they they. Uh, but no, Mike Scott is isn't Irish, um, and although he he uh, maybe he would uh, challenge that, but I believe I believe he is. He is. Um, I know he's very posh Scottish because I don't. I don't. I don't remember that. He, does he have a Scottish accent? I don't I, know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, no, I, didn't, I didn't think so. I, I thought maybe he was. He was. He was English as opposed to okay, in, uh, Scottish. In, but maybe he's maybe Scottish. In 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 uh, fairness, I need to know what you've been listening to. Okay. Well, actually, because we have been working on. On uh, you know the the, the 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 podcast where you know I've been really listening to an, a lot of local bands and you know there's a guy called John Steele who um, you know he's just a terrific uh, vocalist and guitarist uh, he he's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, solo stuff you'll find it on I'm sure you'll find it on YouTube I've, I found lots of his stuff on YouTube really good really good um, uh, deep uh, voice and and fantastic guitarist, and he plays he plays with a band called the Flag Listeners, and I've been listening to them. Uh, they, 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 you know, um, they're made up of 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 other bands that I loved. You know, for, uh, around town in the in the 80s, uh, one band in particular called Took and Dance, which are a sort of a, a, a local legends, and uh, Eamon Herher was uh, and and and. Um, uh, Des Dwyer and, and lots of lo- lots of great guys were in that in, in that band. So I've been listening to that. I've also been listening to to a, a brand new, brand spanking new band called Inner City Radio, okay. uh, who, who are really good, and you've got to check them out. And actually, you can hear on the podcast because we're going to play a track from. Wow. The, from, from Good, yeah, 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 good, 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 uh, good coming around to that. That's good. I've got more. I've got more. Uh, there's, a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a guy called Marty Ryan who is really, really good as well. And again, he's, 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 he's someone that, you know, I spoke to, and he was telling me about his, his. Uh, he was on the road recently, uh, doing shows in America, and actually, I, 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 I let him down badly. Uh, I have to say because he asked me to paint. His his uh, the name of his band, which is Anna Zanker, uh-huh. on on his um, on this kind of like kind of old beat up suitcase uh, that he was that he wanted to kind of set up on the stage. Yeah. So that you know it was kind of like a prop type thing, and you know I just I was like he he, he approached me when I was up a ladder doing a job, and I was like yeah 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 yeah, and it just went on and on and on because I was never in the studio. Um, and the weather was fine, and you know when the weather's fine here, uh, we, we don't get it that often. So the phone is ringing, and everyone's going, "Where are you? Where are you?" Right. He said you'd be here the next fine day. So poor old, poor old Marty went off to America without having his his band's name painted by me on his suitcase. And uh, but uh, so the, uh, the, and this other chap as well, Ian uh, Dodson, who uh, Dave Keary, who we spoke about earlier, that worked. With Van Morrison, that works with Van Morrison, and his son Alan. They they, they worked with Ian uh, Dodson on this really 
really uh, gorgeous track. It's like it's like it's so smooth. It's 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 like uh, I mean it's, it's like uh, you know it's um, it's it's in a whole other gear, you know. Uh-huh. And we have we have that we're going to be playing and. Uh, and I suppose look, I, I, I've been I've been working a lot uh, on my own in these in these kind of buildings, uh, uh, these offices, and, and I've been doing a lot of that kind of work. And so I, I, I've just had soundtracks on. Um, I've listened to a guy called Johnny Greenwood, who's the guitarist with Radiohead. Okay. And if you think Tom York is the intense one, forget it. This guy is super, super intense. And uh, but you know he makes these really in- interesting soundtracks with the guy who made um, "There Will Be Blood" and uh, he, he, you know the the director who made Magnolia and Boogie Nights. I don't know if you've seen any of those movies, but is is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson? He's he's, he's okay, a really yeah. good director. But uh, you know, so we listen to lots of different things, and you know, um, and again, uh, but uh, and no jokes, uh, really, I've, I, because I've been, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been researching a, a lot of the bands for for this, but not just bands, but also, you know, I spoke to a, a really nice um, lady who uh, I can't remember her surname, but her first name is Jane. Uh, or Jean, Jean, and she's a um, she's a, a, a an opera singer, and she works actually with Music Generation, and um, I, I kind of bumped into her with my wife a, a number of occasions in this cafe around the corner from the studio, and she, you know we were talking about about this project with her, and she sent me this beautiful piece of of um, operatic uh, 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 vocals. Uh, uh, Ave Maria, which which was very appropriate because actually Dolores sang Ave Maria with Pavarotti, Luciano Pavarotti. I've seen that video has, on YouTube. It's pretty like amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and and, and like I kind of found out a bit more about her, you know, uh, around the the, the the you know the 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 uh, the, 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 the funeral because. You know that was what was played at, at the funeral, and and this was like a, for her. You know, it was it was really a, a huge moment because they, they loved operatic music. They loved they loved uh, you know Pavarotti, and um, you know it was it must have been just such a such a blast to actually perform with with this guy. You know, and they're both gone now. You know, but anyway, look, so I've been listening to lots of different stuff, and 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 some of them you're going to hear. You know, throughout the podcast, if you're still listening, you know, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, that being said, I think it's uh, it's probably a good time to wrap it up. And um, you know, like I mentioned, we'll be playing some more stuff here from some of the people that contributed for this episode very generously. And uh, I want to just thank you, Tom, for being my friend and coming on and co-hosting the show and all the stuff that we've done it's um it's been awesome oh man listen you know your leisure was my pleasure you know i don't know what that means 
I, 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 I don't know what to say except that, I, you know, I'd love to say, you know, what I really want to say, which is super corny, and I'm going to tell you off the air later. But no, listen, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, you like to just backtrack a teeny tiny bit. You, you know, you were there for me as a friend long before all these side projects and all these podcasts you know what I mean you helped me out with a tough time through you know a few years back with when I was struggling in the studio with with, with, with a difficult time and, and you know uh, like there's, you're, there's a huge heart uh, in your chest and I wish you nothing but um, good things you know in the future you're a good man Tom Collins this next contribution is from Fergal Lawler of the band the cranberries uh this is one of his uh instrumental pieces that he shared with us uh for this episode so this is fergal lawler <laughs> Thank you. 
Now we're going to hear something from the guitarist of the Cranberries, uh, who contributed this for this show. This is uh, Noel Hogan's solo project called Mono Band, and uh, this is from a current release called Hawk Set for the Sun. You can find that on uh, iTunes.
Niall Quinn here, formerly of the Hitchers, still sometimes of the Hitchers actually, uh, formerly of the Cranberry Sauce, the forerunner to the Cranberries. Uh, since the Hitchers tweeted about having and sharing and keeping close a happy memory of Dolores and the Cranberries, a few people have asked about the nature of the megabusks referred to in that tweet. The megabusks happened in the summer of 1990 when Limerick City Arts Office paid buskers basically to to go out there and liven up the streets on a Saturday afternoon. I think what they had in mind was that we'd all stand 20 yards apart doing our own thing, being individual buskers. But um, what the Hitchers, the Cranberries, they do with mirrors and possibly some of the guys from A Touch of Oliver did was basically form a folk mass from hell where uh, you could have up to a dozen kids with acoustic guitars, not a tuner between them, all beating out R.E.M., and an emotional fish and probably the saw doctors songs and um the pixies it was it was great fun uh did it succeed in keeping shoppers in limerick city center i doubt it i'd say we i'd say we drove them uh practically out to crescent shopping center and wherever else and beyond but it's a it's a smashing memory it's it's the only time i actually got to perform at dolores i think um but uh yeah it was a great time as tends to happen with Irish funerals, uh, there was a lot of laughter and a lot of pints. Uh, though I was drinking non-alcoholic, so I ended up on a sugar buzz. Um, I went along with uh, Owen, who used to sing with the Hitchers back in the day, and he actually reminded me he was at the audition when Dolores came along. And uh, I went along with Owen and Eric from the Hitchers. And while I was there, I met Catherine, who was the girl I bumped into way back in the day, who inquired... How are the guys getting on since you left? And I said, they were thinking of looking for a singer, a, a, a girl singer. And uh, she said, I might just know the person. So, uh, and, and Catherine, of course, went off and got Dolores' phone number. But uh, and a nice little gap in the storyline was filled in because uh, a friend of Catherine's, a girl called Ev, was there. And Ev was with Catherine when she uh, approached Dolores in the schoolyard, apparently. And um, she just said, I know some guys who have a band and they're looking for a singer, would you be interested in trying out? And seemingly uh, Dolores just said, yeah, okay. There was there was no great big, I'm going to be a star or anything like that about it. I just went to the church, uh, St. Joseph's, on the Sunday, which I thought was a lovely gesture by the family actually to give uh, the people of Limerick particularly a chance to just say goodbye to Dolores I, I didn't go to Ballinati on the, the Monday night um, I kind of felt it was time to step back at that stage and just leave the family and uh, the locals kind of um, say their goodbyes uh, some of the people in the Team June Boy crew did and um, they, they said it They said it was quite lovely it was just a regular um, sort of rural funeral uh, I went to work the day of the burial um, we had lectures on and around midday just as the, the mass was ending in that um, I bombed the cranberries as loud as I could on the art studios um, speakers uh, that was rough that was that was a real kick in the Adam's apple I must say spinning along those the, the, the radio station channels and hearing all of them playing when you're gone at the same time uh, that actually made it more real than seen or laid out. Uh, I have a general motto or design for life that regret without resolve is pretty useless. But um, 
there there are of course some regrets you can't go back on and uh and you can't go back and fix there there were probably occasions looking back on it that i could have gone over to her and said hi um first we moved in very different circles we lived in different countries most of the time uh, and I, I haven't seen Dolores in a in a very long time, but down the years there would have been occasions we were in the same pub or the same nightclub, whatever. And the, the last time even was a few years back, and we were sitting at tables quite close to each other and, uh, in in the same venue. And the notion struck me: I'll just go over and say hi. And just as I was about to, I kind of acknowledged to myself that she was with a bunch of her friends; they were having a great time, uh, and. Irish people tend to be pretty cool that way when it comes to famous people. We just tend to leave them alone, let them get on with it, having a good time or whatever. But I read sometime later uh, that she she found that part of uh, her life kind of lonely, that people she used to know didn't come up to her and say hi anymore in those kind of situations because um, they just felt awkward or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely a regret. Uh, as to Dolores' legacy, let's start locally. Like, I, I must admit I was kind of less than inspired by um, the idea, well-meant as I'm sure it was and well-intended, to rename the proposed opera centre or in the pipeline opera centre uh, in some way after her. Um, I just thought it seemed vulgar at the time, probably too soon, too raw and everything anyway. Um and maybe it is still too soon and too raw. We're only coming up in our month's mind. But, um, uh, you know, as she was a creative and an artist herself, uh, I would personally love to see something along the lines of Belfast's Oya Centre for Limerick uh, if her name was to be lent to something um, or if some aspect of the Cranberries was to be lent to something. I think that would be wonderful. Uh, everybody else is doing it, so why can't we center? Yep, it's a long and unwieldy name, but it was a long and unwieldy album title. Uh, it didn't stop it moving. <laughs> uh, internationally, I think, and globally, I think the, the band's legacy and Dolores' legacy is assured. I'm not quite sure any of us in Limerick or Ireland in general really get just how enormous they they are and not just where um that they are in 2018 2017 um i i know i've seen some of the the pictures and videos from venues they play in that in south america and the far east and uh and mainland europe and it's it's really quite phenomenal to to see just how loved they were So what are my favourite songs? Because that's the real legacy. Um, so I would be thinking When You're Gone, obviously, is the very much the song of the moment. But uh, I always really liked um, Promises. Also, Just My Imagination. Um, I was there the very first time they played Sunday. So that's always been a special one as well. Uh, I love Uncertain, which would have been their first vinyl release. And anytime I hear The Strokes, playing last night I think of a song called A Fast One which was off their very first demo uh, and it, in some ways it's an atypical song of theirs but I think it's really really cool 
tell me I'm not good enough You tell me I'm a bore I don't have to tolerate your insults anymore I just want to be with someone else instead of you Cause every time you speak to me You tell me what to do You tell me what to do You tell me what I remember in the schoolyard when you asked me out I didn't really realize what living's all about I was just 16 years old when I married you And now it's just a stupid mess I don't know what to do 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 Hello, my name is Patrick O'Brien. I am a Limerick musician. I am in Windings and I was in a band called Last Days of Death Country. And um, we got together in the mid-2000s. And then we were together for about six years. And we actually used rehearse in a space where the Cranberries used rehearse um, out in Clarina. And we used... Uh, there was pretty much all posters of the cranberries all over the all over the wall and we were always aware of I mean, I was always aware of the cranberries and how much of a thing they were and always liked the songs and stuff. But then when we got into the same rehearsal studioism, it was kinda really cool and it's really kinda it kind of spurred us on. And then when we had some songs together, Gary, who was our was our bass player, um, knew Fergal Lawler very, very well. And Fergal at the time was starting to record some bands. He recorded Walter Mitty and the Realists, Brendan Markham, and uh, we met him and see if he was interesting in doing stuff for us. And luckily he was. So we recorded two EPs with him over the case of about a year, on and off. And um, it was amazing because we went out to his house and like it's just normal, you know, normal, very lovely house. And then there's a studio at the back and you go in there and it's just... My like the first moment in there, like I think I was the most kind of starstruck I ever was because up to that point, you know, for a lovely guy, you talked to him, lovely, lovely, and then you see all these like MTV awards and like golden, you know, gold, you know, golden platinum discs and stuff, and it was just amazing. And he was just amazing, and he was brilliant to us, and he kind of looked after us, and kind of it was just an, it was kind of it was one of my, one of my most favorite experiences recording those songs with him, and just that whole thing. And just yeah, the, the cranberries kind of really, really influenced. I think whether you knew it or didn't know it, they definitely influenced you as a Limerick musician. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm from a band called Windings here in Limerick. Um, I'm a musician. I'm a, I used to consider myself a full-time musician, and now I fully consider myself a full-time musician as I've ended up working with someone called Music Generation Limerick City where I get to work with um, young people and uh, young people of all ages if you'll excuse the, the terminology from early years I guess like kids three or four up until third level students who, who could be in their 20s up to mature students in, in their 60s even so basically 
my process would be to instill a love of music uh, through creativity and through songwriting and expressing themselves through the process of music making. Um, it doesn't always work uh, because you're, you could be working with people who already, they already know that music is great and they don't need convincing, so you move it up to a next level where they can use music as um, a social tool, a form of self-expression, just to meet other people, to work with other people, to take away the work element of music, so it is just entirely a free-floating creative process with no real end in sight, just something you can do with your time uh, that can be like a full-time hobby. Uh, because music for me was a full-time hobby <coughs> from, the, from my early 20s uh, up until I started this job, um, and I still managed to do it. Um, I still manage to have my full-time hobbies, so I have two full-time hobbies, if you will. Um, you can never have enough full-time hobbies, in my opinion. Um, I know people close to me may disagree with that, but uh, I'm still looking for other full-time hobbies to take up my, my time. Um, in relation to the Cranberries, as a musician from Limerick, and I started in my teens, and that would have been in the mid-90s, so grunge was, was hitting its stride, and the Cranberries were hitting their stride, and I was a little bit young to ever have seen them play in Limerick, um, so by the time it came to me starting my musical pursuits in a band called Tooth, um, we were very, very aware of the Cranberries and the fact that they were from Limerick. And it was something that, as a young Limerick band, was constantly on our minds, simply because the world was now our oyster, whereas it might not have been for bands previous to us because we had the Cranberries and they were on American TV late at night on the weekends. And they were from town. <laughs> um, and that just, that just, we took that for granted, you know. We took, well, you know, everybody else has you too, but we've got the cranberries. And that's, that used to be it. Anytime you meet anybody, like our, our maybe parents, uh, friends, they go, well, you're in a band, you're going to be the next you too. And we were, well, no, we're, we're probably going to be the next cranberries, actually. You know, that level of cockiness. But we had the cranberries to aspire to. And that was very, very unique to Limerick. And, uh, and we were always dead proud to have them. Um, flying the flag for us whether they knew it or not um so as i as i kind of well through my musical career i suppose you could say my musical trajectory that that i kind of uh, i had no idea what it was i went through other bands and it was always the same it was always the same you're going to be the next you too like well maybe but primarily the next the next cranberries if you don't mind um it, it, they were just cooler they were more <clears throat> they were more niche and again they were from town now it never uh, once occurred to me that you know that these guys, you know, actually lived in Limerick <laughs> until I was a good bit older. And I saw them walking around town because they're from town and that's what they would do. There was no reason at all that these guys wouldn't be walking around town. It's where they're from. And that actually, more than anything else, that blew my mind because they were completely approachable. They had accents that matched where they were from and they were in town because they wanted to be. They had to go to the shop. They had to buy bread. To balance that with the kind of the perception that I had that they were international rock stars, which they absolutely were and are, to see them in Dunn's buying bread and saying hello, how are you getting on? Um, it, it kind of coloured the rest of how I would interact with people musically in my musical career. Uh, from there, and, and still do, for, from there on in. It's like, there's no need to have any um, airs or affectations. You can just be who you are. You can use your own personality. You can be friendly as you like. And you can still get on with the business of music. Um, and, and, that, and that's the way I've carried it. And whether they know it or not, I'm sure they don't at all. I would never tell them this. They're probably here now. But this affected the way I, I, I would, um, I would do, do my music business, I suppose. Um, 
in such a way that in about 2008, I think it was, Noel, Noel Hogan from the Cranberries, uh, I think it was around then, you'll have to excuse my, my kind of caginess around the dates, I think it was around 2008, 2009, he was releasing a mono band. it could have been his first mono band album, in fact, um, and it was going to be in Dolan's, and I was going to go see it, because you know, it was Noel from the Cranberries releasing a, a, an album, I wanted to see it. But it came then from Dolan's, I got a call saying, look Steve, um, Noel from Monoband was wondering, would you would you support um, Monoband at their opening? I was like, yeah, of course. I didn't even ask when it was on or anything like that. Just, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I was only doing solo things at that stage. So I supported Noel, and I, I didn't really say much to him afterwards because, well, I didn't know how to, I suppose. I, I was only used to meeting him that one time in Dunn's buying bread or wherever it was, you know, for example. Uh, and in a musical capacity, it was much more daunting because he was there doing what he does. And I was there doing what I do at my level, which was a world apart. Uh, but I was so grateful to be asked. And I kept in touch with him and he kept in touch with me. Um, and basically he offered then to produce an album, not an album, but a, a track. If ever we needed a track, he'd love to work with Windings and a track. And there was a couple more in the band at that stage. And that was around 2010. And he produced the, the opening track on our 2010 album, It's Never Night, um, called Little Hands. And, um, and we worked with him for a couple of days in his studio which is out the back of his house. Now, a lot of musicians I know have, have studios out the back of their house in their shed, but, you know, this is slightly different because Noel is an international rock star. <laughs> He's going to love that. He's an international rock star, so his studio was a little bit, a step above the one that I would have had, like, uh, with my tape machine in, in the back of uh, my parents' garden. Um, it was a lovely studio. He had fantastic equipment, and we were free to use any of it. And we were aware, you know, this was high-end equipment. And, you know, normally you wouldn't touch this stuff. But he's like, no, use that. That makes a nice sound. Try it out there. Um, and again, it's just another, it just blew my mind. So turns out then the Cranberries were going to play the first Irish gig in quite a while at the, the series of gigs known as Live the Marquee down in Cork. This was as well 2010. So I didn't really want to be asking Noel, can I play with you? You know, can my band support you? So I didn't. I didn't ask him at all. I didn't, that, I didn't think that would be fair. So I contacted the promoters and I, 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 well, I dogged them, to be honest for quite a while and it came back the week previous that uh, they, they'd asked the band and the band said yes that would be great Windings can support us so it was probably that day that uh, I was no longer a teenager I must stress that definitely not a teenager at all at that stage I was I was well past teenage years but it did seem like whatever I'd started when I was 16 was kind of coming full circle because as a Limerick musician uh, who only started when um, the Cranberries were really getting to their peak during the 90s for me, all those years later, to be able to support that band um, on a stage, it was, it was mind-blowing. It's still something I can't quite get my head around that, that we were able to do that, they were allowed to do that, that the Cranberries invited us to do that. It was, it's really amazing. And, and it was like one of those things in life where you like, well, that's a box ticked there now. That is a serious box ticked to be able to tell someone, yeah, we supported the Cranberries. Um, and, and actually, they were very, very nice. And they... Uh, <laughs> they shared their rider with us they gave us cans of 7-Up and stuff like that it was you know do you want to drink lads we will please a can of 7-Up if you don't mind and they were so friendly backstage and um, it was just like um, again it was just like yeah they were they were buying bread and duns it was just like that even though you pinch yourself every now and again and go these are international rock stars these have millions of followers all across Europe South America have them at like some godlike status you know they're they're the biggest rock stars ever in South America. These people have millions of fans everywhere. And there we were, a bunch of Limerick lads backstage down in Cork just having a bit of a laugh. Um, and, 
you know, they were all there. Dolores was there, Noel was there, Fergal was there, Mike was there. Like, it was just, just chilling out, basically. It was a lovely summer's day. It felt a bit like a garden party. Um, and I won't forget it. I'll never forget it. And, and that really gave me a little bit of an impetus to kind of, if things were slowing down for me creatively, that really gave me a kick again to go, oh, this is, this is amazing. Let's get back in action. Uh, and I'm very grateful to them for that. And I mean that, like, from the early 90s up until, like, today, to, to right now and forever, you know, because they, they gave that to Limerick musicians. I don't, I'm not the only one who thinks this at all. I've had this discussion with many Limerick musicians. Um, and they, they, yeah, I thought it was been smart everybody going, you're the next U2. No, we're next Cranberries. Apparently a lot of us did that and still do and still do. And we should be proud to be able to do that. And, uh, and Dolores is a huge loss. And I know the guys were heavily into creating a new album uh, right in the middle of it. And, and it's a shock to them, obviously way more than it would be to, to, to the fans. And, um, it, it, it's it's going to leave a huge a huge hole in, in the kind of the musical landscape of Ireland of the world but particularly Limerick um, and yeah I don't know what to do next but I, I tell you what I'm so so grateful for what she has left behind uh, such an amazing body of work and such inspiration and 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 basically she's instilled kind of passion she's said to a couple of generations of, of independent Irish musicians and you know international musicians get up there and do it you know, I can do it. You can do it. I'm sure they kind of phrase something like that. I can't quite remember what it was. <laughs> Everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? And that, that's a mantra to live by, I believe. I think that'll do. Lovely. Thank you, Steve. Well.
Yeah, again, then, cool. 
Uh, hi, my name is Marty Ryan. I'm from Limerick and I'm a musician. I play in a band called Anna's Anchor. Um, I suppose my exposure to the Cranberries might be a little different to a lot of kind of creative people from Limerick because I think their first album came out the year I was born. Um, so I didn't really discover the Cranberries until they were already one of the biggest bands in the world. And I remember it kind of shocking me to learn that that this band that had all these songs that were in movies and constantly on the radio were actually from Limerick. And I suppose I, I was kind of working back then and doing my research from there. And fast forward to today, um, it's still something that hugely inspires me because there's, there's not many huge bands from Limerick. There's been many great bands from Limerick, but none that have come near to the scale that they have. And I suppose maybe sometimes we might talk ourselves down being from Limerick, but they kind of have set the, the milestone as to what can be achieved. So for myself personally, it's hugely inspirational because, and I suppose it goes back to the, even the, the title of their first album with that everybody's doing, so why can't we? And it's seeing someone from Limerick doing that um, and having done that is just hugely inspirational. And I think I find that I do a lot of touring now um, of all around Europe and American stuff and generally people are familiar with Dublin but it's it's like like anything you're familiar with the the capital city of a country but might not know much beyond that and people rarely do know Limerick so the first thing I always do tell them is well you know Cranberries are from Limerick and everyone knows the Cranberries but they might not necessarily know Limerick so it's kind of it's almost like a badge of honor that I feel like I can just uh, present to people immediately and then on the flip side, if people ever do seem to know of Limerick, it's always because of the the negative side of things and people almost will almost be making fun of it. But it's again, you say, well, the Cranberries are from Limerick. Like, I don't think you're going to have a cooler band from your hometown. So you can stop talking about that. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 my experience and exposure to the Cranberries. <laughs>
hard one days from hard one nights they lead you astray get back in the fight time takes no prisoners doesn't need to try i turn myself in to the gathering night I won't worry if it looks better on you I won't worry cuz you know you've got to They say that love is just a game not a truth So you better go back to school Love is only for the fool Saw that you liked it I wrote this check It bounced then it sank I'm up to my neck These are the stories I tell myself Infinity split Everything misspelled I won't worry and it looks better on you I won't worry cuz you know you've got to They say that love is just a game not a truth So you better go back to school Love is only for the fools Your heart knows what it wants Does it know is 1 2 3 I've seen you halfway up I met you halfway down I watched you stumble I picked up your crown I won't worry it looks better on you I won't worry cuz you know They say that love is just a game not a truth so you better go back to school Love is only for the fool
this is John Steele, um, guitar player with the Flag Listeners in Limerick. Um, as a Limerick man, I was deeply shocked and saddened to hear of the death of Dolores O'Riordan. Um, she was a real icon, you know, um, and the genuine outpouring of uh, respect and grief that we've witnessed um, worldwide since her passing um, is indicative of the mark that they that she and the Cranberries left on the world, and it's something that I've witnessed with a real genuine um, sense of pride um, for everything that they've achieved together and everything they've done for Limerick, really. Uh, I would have been gigging around Limerick um, just in cover bands and filling in for different uh, bands at the time that they were making their first moves. Um, you know, and I, I would have been hanging around to Zarek Studios at Joe Brown's Guitar Workshop and, you know, their rehearsal rooms and so on. And I would have seen the Cranberries a couple of times live back then. And the one thing that struck me was how well the combination between Noel Hogan's guitar playing and Dolores's um, uniquely beautiful vocal worked. I mean, it was just one of those classic combinations, you know. Um, I don't know, maybe they worked at it, but it seemed to be very organic to me, you know. It seemed to be something that just was and possibly was the, the key to their success, you know. I don't know. Um, but it was certainly something that I was uh, slightly in awe of at the time. Um, you know, and, and that song Dreams, you know, perfectly showcases it, you know, from start to fit, start to that, you know, iconic outro. Um, it's a beautiful tune. Um, so, you know, thank you to the Cranberries for, uh, for everything you've done for Limerick. Congratulations for everything that you've achieved, you know, um, and sleep well, Dolores.
Hi, my name's Emily Panter. I'm a Limerick-based musician from a band called Inner City Radio. I remember back when I was 13 years old and my dad bought me my first guitar and the salesman would say, I sold the Cranberry's first gear. And he also said, see you back in 10 years when you're famous. John O'Shea, a, a good neighbour of ours from Little Catherine Street. How are you? We're fine, we're fine. We... Welcome to Coffee with a Sign Painter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So... <laughs> we go back a bit, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of started driving Ben's around when Zerich, through Zerich recording studio, because... None of the bands had transport back in those days, and we used to drive uh, up the downstairs, the hitchers, choose the blue, uh, they do it with mirrors, uh, 
the Cranberries, what else was up there? Two Condense. Two Condense, the O'Malley's. What else was this? Can't think of the rest of Oh, the Grove. The Grove. The Grove. The Grove. And we drove them all to different gigs all around the country. So many a night we were out all night before we finally got home. But uh, yeah. But like, were you? Did you play music yourself? No, no, right? no. I just drive them to the gigs, and some of the gigs I go in and see, and other ones I go back to the pictures. Come right. back, come back yeah. after the pictures and see a bit of the gig and drive them home or whatever. Because you'd be seeing them every night. You'd some of them you'd have enough of to be told. Sure. You, you yeah, know what what yeah, next song is yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And was the van like? Was this something that you'd used for work uh, during the week, or was it? No, like just no. For I just had it. I just had a yeah. van, and I was driving around in the van, and I did a, a, any van reform. I did a mod. Man, big vans, vans broke down or anything. I was driving them as well. They all knew that I'd stay out all night and drive them home. <laughs> so. And what, what, how come you had you were able to you have all the spare time? Well, I was in the fire brigade and we only worked 24 hours on, three days off. So out of every four days, there was only one day I couldn't drive. Gotcha. And probably get night night gripping to drive then, or someone else would. If it was a night I was in working yeah. on the fire station, yeah. someone else would drive or something, you know. Very good, and it'd so, be a way to blow off steam as well from the from the work yeah, during yeah, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. So it was yeah. at my days off from the forest session. I was driving many a bank around, and uh, yeah, we had them all down through the years. Some of them were they were fine gigging, great band, but trying to get them to leave the bar at night when the gig was over was another story. <laughs> I remember one night in Dublin, uh, it was the, in the White Horse pub there just near O'Connell Bridge and uh, the O'Malley's were playing in there and uh, it was half eleven, the bar was closing and Mr Costello and Mr Healy wanted to go drinking. So I said to him, lads, I said, you're going to be kicked out of here now at 12 o'clock. This is the centre of Dublin. You won't get after hours. I said, if you load the van up, I'll have you back in Limerick at 2 o'clock and you can all go into the Brazenhead. So they agreed. 5 to 2, I was pulling up outside the Brazenhead and they went in drinking for the night and I took the gear up. Back up to the, the yeah. I took storage. the gear. No, I took the gear home and met him the next day. Okay, you know it was. But otherwise, if they had started drinking in Dublin, we're out all night. Sure. Well, I was out all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, so I got him back to the Brazen Head. They were out all night. And what about the, like uh, the because uh, I, I I was told uh, you go back as far as the the, the grannies or the intentions. Well, no, no? not really. I knew yeah. them. It was, but I wasn't driving them, or I wasn't driving. Were you not? Okay. No, no. I but you were aware of them, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you see them at different. Yeah. 
Well, in the late sixties, they were they were they were a fairly uh, big act. Weren't oh they? yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, the city. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him playing in the ballroom below Belly Bunyan, and I saw him. That was at the end of their days. Now it was just before they broke up, and I saw him in the Taboo t- uh, Taboo Club at the bus office lane. There was a club there. Yeah, the right. Bogo Hall. Okay. That was there. Uh, maybe halfway up post office lane. Do you remember there was a furniture store in there, or second-hand furniture? Before my time, though. No. no I'm only young, please. You know. Post office lane. Yeah. Going up. Uh, but there was a hall in there, and it was uh, first. It started as uh, the Gogo Hall. And then it, our first it was the taboo, and then it became the Gorgo Hall, and then you had the cavern, which was the Mechanics Institute ah, straight okay. up at the top in of Hartstone Street, Street in right. Hartstone Street. Yeah, yeah. I saw him playing in there. Right. The real men that started the music scene here in Limerick, the blues scene and the, the rock and roll scene was Jerry uh, Tui. Oh yeah. He was the first one to. Right. To start, mm. and Joe Brown and well, Joe Brown was kind of country and yeah. what have you. But okay, Jared Huey was into the blues. And yes, rock and I remember Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in fairness to, 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 to you know to, to, to like I, I remember uh, when when uh, Joe would come into the bar. Yeah, with with uh, John or John, uh, his brother and and Willie and and, and uh, but they like they, they'd have they, there was people they, they used to do these workshops. Oh, he had a workshop yeah. above in Zurich, right. fixing guitars and mending guitars, and he was up with. Uh, but people's coming from far and wide oh, to, you know. I, yeah. I was above in Joe Brown's house, and uh, he was after fixing a guitar, and in walked Jimmy McCarthy. Okay. Right, and yeah. Jimmy McCarthy sat down, and it was his guitar, and he said, "I wrote this song last night," and. Joe and myself were the first ones ever to hear Ride On. Oh, wow. Right, he sang it above in Hyde Road in Prospect. He'd written it the night before. That's right. unbelievable. Wow. Joe Brown and myself were the first yeah. ones ever to hear the song Ride yeah, On. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. Because yeah. I remember he came in one night as well with, uh, is it Towns Van Sands? Towns Van Sands, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, they'd been working yeah. together on some some project. And, uh, in you know, Zurich. In Zurich, okay. He was recording in Zurich yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was, there was always something kind of happening. And it always struck me that, you know, it, 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 like, uh, you know, around the country, you didn't hear as much going on in other places. Yeah, there seems yeah, to be a lot yeah. happening here with... With, with you know, bands. Oh, yeah, there was a good music scene and a good rock band scene, and but it, it was hard to break. Dublin had everything wrapped up. You were out on your own down here in Limerick. And, sure. You know, you, to break into the Dublin scene was very hard because you had the likes of Philip King and sure. other the main guys above in Dublin, and they had everything wrapped up. All yeah. There. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so you kind of had to make your own scene mm, down here. Mm, mm. Make your own luck with it as yeah, well. Yeah, go through Cork and, you know, Dublin yeah. was the last thing yeah. you got to... Well, look, the yeah. Cranberries but kind of bypassed Dublin, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only went to Dublin to record. Right. I brought them up for the recording and that. But, and uh, then the tour bit around Ireland and uh, 
they got a uh, to play at um, the festival in London, the play, what do they call it? It used to be on in uh, oh, Hyde Park, was it? Hyde Park, right. yeah. That was a huge, huge festival. Yeah, it was a high... Finsbury. Oh, okay, Finsbury yes, yeah, yeah, another massive one, yeah. Yeah, and I drove them over to that. And I remember when we landed in Hollyhead, the band were so young, you know, they were all kids, and Seth, the road manager, was a young fellow kid as well, like, you know, and I turned around and said, Seth, have you a map there? And we see where we're going. Oh, yeah, he said... And he... Opened the bag and out came the school atlas with the map, with the shires on one side and the fucking mountains and rivers on the other side, and not a road from Hollyhead to London. And, this, <laughs> like, you know. and I turned around joking and I said, I suppose when we make it big, we'll have a globe on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, that was it. Well, I, just, uh, I was talking to Fergal about those de- those days recently, and he told me a story that he, they 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 he collected them from a gig one night, wherever it was up the country somewhere, and they got into the van, and there was this kind of movement under these blankets and yeah. sheets, and they you know what they thought it was like a snake or something. That was, yeah. turned out it was Owen. Oh yeah, yeah. The kids, used to bring yeah. the kids with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it must have been a local gig or something. Okay. I was babysitting or something. Right. Yeah, 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 we brought it. But uh, there was, um, she won't trust me by there now, we were just talking about it. What was it? Uh, the, uh, I can't think of it now, it's gone. Yeah, there was some good ones, alright. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it. That's all right. Got it all in my head. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I met you again recently then through uh, Carl uh, Kleiser around the corner, who has, I think, one of the most unique shops in Limerick, yeah, 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 really. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's stuck in its own time zone, really. And it's a beautiful uh, shop, if anyone doesn't know it, it's a beautiful shop that sells uh, grand pianos and uprights. And hires. And so you would be involved there. Yeah, in, I moved the pianos for hires and all the recitals around here in town, yeah. like if any of the top pianists are playing or if someone needs a piano sure. for a, a show in any place, design the one puts in the, if you want to know how the piano gets there, I'm the guy. And I mean, how many discs have you left in your back after all your uh, pulling and Well, it is more technique now than, sure. yeah. where I have so long, there's very little lift and we do our best to, be clever. Avoid the lift, and yeah, yeah. But surely there's flights of stairs, and and and. Oh yeah, that's the one I wanted to tell you. Right. Back in the day, when the cranberries, uh, they asked me to drive them to the airport. They were doing a six-week tour of the states, so I drove them out to Shannon and. Packed them up and off they went. And this is kind of before the album really broke. This is before the album broke, mm. they were just starting. And while they were away, the album started to sell. And uh, like, there was no mobile phones, there was no. We didn't even, back here in Limerick, we didn't even know where the cranberries were. They were in a minibus in the States, touring from university to university. I had no contact with them. 
So I'm I'm here in Limerick and next thing I'm up in the borough session and the phone rings to set from the States saying we're coming home Tuesday, we'll be home at half two, can you pick us up at the airport? And I said, not a bother, I'll be up there to meet you. But the, I never told them, the, I, I thought they might have got the news from the record company or someone would have told them that the album had started to sell millions. But they, they didn't know, so when I went out to the airport on the Tuesday, and when I arrived out to Shannon, in those days you drove straight up to the airport, there was no security, you could park the van down, go away for an hour. So I parked up at the four limousines, right? I parked outside the airport as well. And uh, I went in and one of the limousines belonged to Joe Leary, North Town Shopping Centre, Joe Leary, he had, had a fleet of cars. So I called Joe, I said, Joe, what's happening? He said, we're here for the cranberries. And I said, uh, so I, yeah, yeah, I said, no. And plus, all press are there and everyone, and no one even knew what the cranberries looked like because they had went away, became famous while they was away. There was no photographs. There was a pile of press there and they didn't even know who they were waiting for. <laughs> so they were kind of said, oh, we'll wait for the guys coming out carrying guitars. You know, that'll be the cranberries. So out came the band and they came straight over to me and they could see all the press over at the other side. And then when they came over to me, Joe Leary knew that's them there, they're after going to over to John. So I said, lad said, well, what's happening here? He says, that's for you, lads, you're rock stars. And next thing they were whipped away and all the set and Dickie and myself were there with three loads, trolley loads of guitars and what have you. And your school atlas. And the school atlas and the boys were rock stars and that's that's how they, re- they became rock stars in the flash Lovely. right they didn't even know getting off the plane they yeah. were just the poor lads and next thing they were superstars by the time they came out of oh, that's fantastic yeah, well, yeah you know what it couldn't have happened to nice nicer bunch yeah oh couldn't you know couldn't, that, that, no. that's a lovely a lovely memory yeah, john yeah, thanks yeah, very yeah. much for sharing that with us right really appreciate it Hi guys, my name's Peter and I'm sitting here with Patrick and Jacob. So we are part of a five-piece rock band called A Weekend Away and we are also from Limerick City. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Dolores O'Riordan as well as the Cranberries and we're going to mention the influences they've had on ourselves as well as the Limerick music scene. For myself growing up, I mean, Dolores and the Cranberries as a whole were a huge source of initial motivation to start playing music. And now, as a musician, I look at the international success of a local band like the Cranberries. It gives me hope that the dream is, you know, achievable. And I really think the the Cranberries' success really kind of paved the way for there to be more rock bands, especially in the Limerick area and kind of all over Ireland, because if it wasn't for their success, we probably wouldn't exist or we wouldn't be the same band we are. It's just how they took the genre and brought it to the mainstream and basically the Cranberries have acted as these like unofficial mentors for all of the bands coming out of Limerick today.
go Grab the phone and pretend like someone's on Nothing comes through, nothing comes to you When you're on your own, you got nothing to prove Cause when I get through to you, stay Shot it down just to ruin that poor girl's day You're set on leading me astray Oh, leaving us out in the pouring rain Oh, it's been a while you left us here with Nothing more, there's nothing left to say Go take your thoughts and save them for another day It's such a crime to be just doing fine Go grab the phone and act like someone's home can't but hear the one last song You drive for miles on a burnt down road Arrive at the point where the land is cold Make it a night when you're doing just fine So nature sails to the things on your mind Just do it once You were so I'm from Limerick and um, what do I do with myself? I um, I have had many jobs in the past, mainly to do with art and art education. I'm actually an ex-sign painter as well, which I'm very proud of and I take particular note of sign painting wherever I go and uh, I love the skill and art of it. Um, my story, I suppose, is that I'm first and foremost an art and art educator and um, when I got sick, I have um, ovarian cancer stage four. When I got stick, sick a few years ago, um, um, it really focused my life as regards me, my family and my arts and where my heart lay and where my 
timely, you know, and where my where my um, uh, interests lay. And I suppose from there, really, I started a whole new body of work. I started up a music band called um, the Ukuladies, who play lovely ukes. Um, uh, we had a performance group in Limerick City called the Cutout Dolls. We're going gung-ho at the moment. So lots of arts projects that really help me, you know, soothe my soul and also give me and, and I think, um, you know, the, the audiences of those um, energies um, a treat, I would like to think anyway. So I was asked to say, did I, um, did I have something to say about Dolores and the Cranberries? Dolores only died a week ago. Um, I was actually at the tribute in the um, Arthur's Key Park for her and sang my heart out. And it was a lovely, beautiful, emotive, sad and um, very special occasion to be present at that. Um, the other thing is I almost met Dolores and the Cranberries in New York when I was working there in 1993, I think it was. And a fellow friend of Dolores had, had was supposed to meet her and we were all friends and we were supposed to meet her performing and the Cranberries in um, in Sinead Pub, I think it was, in New York. And it was before mobile phones and it was before um, internet and all that. And we were looking at a big subway map. We'd like two dollars to her name and uh, couldn't find the place, couldn't find the venue. We spent all night roaming the streets of I have no idea where and we were really saddened that we didn't see our home girl and, and our home boys performing and uh, we went home with heavy, heavy hearts um, and we didn't even have money for a taxi. We had to get the subway back and and walk quite a bit. So sorry I missed you, Dolores and the Cranberries, but I heard you and you were the background for my um for my life in the nineties and I appreciate that and I appreciate your um fabulousness. Okay, I think that's me done. Thanks for getting me to do this, Tom Collins. Okay. Uh love and peace. Okay, my name is Ken Coleman. I'm a digital artist from Limerick City and I principally work in album cover design and I also lecture in game design for LIT here in Limerick. Um, um, I had two big projects last year and the last two years. One was creating the album cover for dead metal band Morbid Angel and on, in complete contrast, uh, I was actually working with the Cranberries since 2016. Um, I remember when Noel asked me if I'd be interested in um, doing some photography and some artwork for their upcoming uh, European tour. And I thought this would be a great project to jump on since um, we're all from the local area. Um, it was actually my first time meeting the guys and I remember how nervous I was uh, going out to the University of Limerick. The, the band were practicing in the ICO, uh, the Irish Chamber Orchestra Studios. And I had about an hour and a half to do the shoot. Um, I principally work in green screen because my work is is, is mainly uh, digital photo montage, post uh, process compositing and so forth, mixing in 3D. So the idea was get out there, do some live shots of them, doing practice, quick some quick promo videos and do some green screen all in the same day. So I went out and what was really nice to see was when I got there, um, fans who had kind of found out where they were practicing were outside getting autographs from Dolores, um, which was cool to see that like uh, the band had were still interact were interacting with their audience. Um, I went in uh, really nervous, um, but the guys made me feel very relaxed. I have to admit. Um, 
I'd met Noel and the guys on other occasions, but um, especially when Noel had asked me to do this, but it was my first time actually talking to Dolores at the time. And she made me feel very much at home because when I explained to them how the green screen works and how I photographed them individually and put them together in a computer, uh, uh, she kind of looked at me and goes, God, where was that in my day? And that was her first sentence to me, <laughs> um, which I thought was very funny. Um, because when I, when I got them to get the photo, they instantly jumped into their, uh, their kind of um, promo shot mode where they all jumped in and knew exactly where they wanted to be. I thought the funniest thing was I asked Mike, uh, the bassist, um, to pose, and I said, give me the press bassist, and he laughed, and he just did it straight away. And then I asked Fergal to look off into the distance, and he did the Superman epic pose that most drummers do in the background. So they knew what they were doing. We did the shoot in an hour and a half and came out with plenty of content. Um, so that's my experience of, of being lucky to work with the band. Um, I have to admit, in the 90s, uh, I grew up with death metal, uh, so when everybody was like, oh, the Cranberries are big in the 90s, I was listening to Cradle of Filth, and I was listening to uh, Norwegian black metal. Uh, so it wasn't, the music wasn't really my cup of tea. Uh, this was when everyone had Rachel haircuts and were listening to Zombie. Um, but uh, I did find it interesting. I went to uh, Sweden, to Stockholm, on my Erasmus for art college. And while I was over there, nobody had heard of Limerick uh, at the time. Only people who liked the Cranberries had heard of Limerick. And um, when you say you're from Ireland, people mostly from different countries think of Dublin. And I remember being in a bar and a girl asked, oh, you're Irish, where are you from? I said, Limerick, and she instantly hugged me, and she just goes, I love the cranberries. She, was, she adored them, so she'd never met anyone from Limerick, so she was very excited. Um, so I found that uh, quite a, an interesting, uh, <laughs> kind of an interesting experience to, uh, all of a sudden, Limerick is famous, you know, um, for these reasons. Uh, so yeah, that's my um, non-fan <laughs> experience. Um, but I have to say, uh, I am very, very proud and uh, very lucky to have worked with the guys.
have dreams, such dreams, so vivid they're real in my mind. But to lay by you is all I can do just to find. 